Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to talk about building a career that you love. Why would you want to listen to this episode? Well, think about this just for one second. We spend so much time at work. If you're working the normal 40-hour work week, then that's more than 2,000 hours spent a year on using your skills to do something great for society. Imagine spending 2,000 hours doing something you love versus 2,000 hours at something you absolutely, let's say, hate doing. My point and the point of many of the greats, including Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, is if we really truly want to be great and successful at what we do, then we need to be moving to something that we love. So for this episode, we're getting a career coach's expert opinion on how to do just that. Yes, we're going deep. Today, I brought on the amazing Emily Eliza Moyer. Emily is an intuitive career strategist focused on helping ambitious women overcome limiting beliefs, uncover their purpose, and crafting strategic career plans so they can build careers they absolutely love. Previously, she served as the head of sales and marketing for a VC-backed travel startup, leading a team of 30 remote workers based all around the world. She's also, the, she's also a contributor at Forbes Coaches Council, an invitation-only organization for successful career coaches. So as you can see, Emily is just going to be amazing. And this episode is really going to help you think about building a career that you love. So let's launch right into it with our 181st episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. All right, Emily, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. So excited to be here. It's great to have you on the show. I really loved our conversation we had before this and just talking about the importance of building a career that you love. And my hope with this episode is to really open up people's eyes and show them what that could mean for them. So let's go ahead and set the stage and get some people motivated here. What does building a career that you love even mean? That's a great place to start, huh? Actually defining what that is. You know, the simplest way to answer that question is that it's actually different for everyone. But there are sort of themes that I tend to see. And these themes are pretty universal in terms of what we as humans, right? What we want in life, not even just in our careers, but truly in life. And so to kind of work backwards from those two themes. So the two themes that I really see, one, a career that we love brings us deep levels of fulfillment and meaning. Careers that we love, it's doing work that we know matters. It's doing work that lights us up. It's doing work that, that we really, really care about, right? That's the first theme. The second theme is all about freedom. It's work where we feel truly autonomous. It's work where we, you know, we might value location independence. We might value time flexibility. We might value financial freedom. There's so many different ways that we all define freedom. There's so many different ways that we all value in terms of our freedom. But careers truly are pathways to so much freedom. And so building a career that you love really is building a career that gives you both, that gives you purpose, and it also gives you uh, the ability to, to just be free. I love that. The reason I love the title, Building a Career You Love, makes it seem more 
almost like process oriented rather than waking up tomorrow. And it's like this, I'm living this dream world of having this career that I love. It really is a process, isn't it? It's such a process. You know, it's a process that there's no end. We talk about career, but you know, it really is like your career, as you mentioned, like we spent two thirds of our lives working. So, you know, in your journey towards building a career that you love, you're really in a journey of building a life that you love. And you're using career as sort of like, well, if at least I figure that piece out, like hopefully the rest of the puzzle pieces will, will sort themselves out too. But yeah, I think we talk about landing dream jobs, right? All the time. We live in this like incredible moment of human history where you're not going to have just one dream job. You can have multiple dream jobs and you're right. going to create multiple dreams. And the process of building a career that you love is really allowing yourself to continue to refine those dreams and to, you know, really allow yourself to pivot when the thing that made you happy before isn't making you happy anymore. And so yeah. building a career you love is exactly that. It's this process of really learning how to continuously again and again and again, go deeper and deeper and deeper into yes. doing work that really lights you up. And when we first talked, you know, I know we kind of talked about our own entrepreneurial journeys. And, you know, when I first made the shift from, I think it was the restaurant industry to having my own business, it definitely was a step in that direction in building that career I love. But it's not like that first day that I woke up, everything was, you know, roses and sunshine, and I just felt great. In fact, there's been so many layers to this component, like year after year, figuring out what I don't like doing and seeing if there's a way I could move away from that, delegate it. It's been a process in that sense, because just because I have the title doesn't mean that I have that life that I want in the first place. Totally. And you know, it's funny, like I even think back to my first quote unquote dream job that I had. I burned out harder than I'd ever burned out ever in a job. Like I had some one of my darkest moments, right? But I like had this dream job. So I would have thought like, oh no, like I got it, right? But no, right? And so ultimately, you know, hearing what you just said, there's so much more to build a career and life that you love than just like landing the dream job or starting the business right. or whatever it is. You know, it truly is this process of really continuing to refine, continuing to design, continuing to dream and continuing to really evaluate what's working and what's not working. And the stuff that's not working, okay, well, how do I just like, let those things not work and decide that either again, as you said, I'm going to outsource them. I'm going to delegate them. I'm going to find ways to make them not be so painful or really just take them off the plate, delete them. Well, I want to look before we go into the, the how to's in a second here, I want to kind of flip it a little bit and say, like, what if I said to myself, you know, I don't really need to figure this out and I'm not going to be very conscious of building a career that I love and it's just naturally going to fall into place. Do you believe that it is possible to kind of let things come to you? Or do you think it's something that we have to strive to fight for on like this quarterly basis almost? I actually believe that we're all wired differently. Some of us are designed to respond to the things that come to our lives. So some of us are meant to sort of sit back and relax and wait for the things to come. And the way that we build, for those of us who operate like that, we're not actually meant to be going out to look for the things. We're actually supposed to just continue to respond to the things that are coming to us. And what we're really doing is we're deciding, does this feel good? Does this not feel good, right? Does this resonate with me? Does this not? And it's actually more through this like responsive process that you're still building a career that you love, but you're responding to it rather than actively, proactively kind of going out right. and building it. Others of us are actually designed differently. We're designed to go out and build it. We're designed to proactively design it, to proactively dream, to proactively go talk to people or whatever it is. I'm really generalizing here. I think 
the more important question for someone who's deciding, well, what am I? Like, how am I supposed to do this? Is really asking yourself, there's a nuance to the process itself. We're going to talk about a process that I use, you know, for how I work with clients, for how to build a build a career that I love. But the more important thing really is that all of our journeys are different and the process is going to look different for everyone. And so what matters more is just deciding, I want to build a career I love. I want to love my work. And I need to find a way to do that in a way that feels right for me. The process in itself has to be aligned to really what feels good for you. The process itself is the thing that's meant to be enjoyed. And so enjoying that process is going to, again, look different for each of us because we're all wired so differently. There isn't one way to do this. And it almost reminds me of the... You can always make an analogy out of, I love working out. I love gym. I I used to be a gymaholic when, you know, gyms were more open and things like that. But I always found that the best exercises, the best things to do were the ones that I felt that I could be consistent with, that I could fall in love with. Those are the best types of workouts. So when people tell you, no, it has to be this way, it has to be that way, I just think it really does depend on the person. And so going back to what you said, that's another really good point. So if it's going to work out for you, then boom, let's do it. Hell yeah, right? And like the desire, the end goal is the same. You're like, I want a strong, healthy body. Like we all want strong, healthy bodies. But our path to getting strong, healthy bodies are all going to look totally different, right? Right. Perfect analogy, right? Like we all want careers that is work that really matters to us. What that work is, how we get there, right? The types of exercises that we do or like what our journey is to that strong, healthy body. Like that truly is going to look different for everybody. And where we fall into traps is when we try to do it the way somebody else is doing it. Or when we listen to like other people saying, this is how it's done. You have to do it this way. This is the only way to get abs or whatever it is. Like, of course, like that's not the only way, right? Of course, there's a million ways to do it. And your body, we all could do the exact same exercises and we would all still have different bodies. All of our bodies would still respond differently to those exact same exercises. Exactly. I wish every podcast host would or every podcast would say something along those lines too because there's way too much like cookie cutter advice out there of people saying you have to do this to get this result you have to do this and that but i think this is the truth here and it's not like you're not going to walk away here with some actionable things and or have that aha moment for yourself but we really want to get you thinking about how you can move to getting the career that you love without being told to do one specific thing so that's awesome so Emily, let's kick into the heart of the show. Let us get some people's imaginations flowing. Let's have this conversation. How do we begin thinking about building a career that you love? What's really step one in the process? So let's actually kind of kick this part of the conversation off of, you know, some things that we were talking about and a trend that I'm seeing. We have a lot of people who are in the job market right now, right? We've had right. 30 million people who are unemployed from COVID. I don't know. Maybe that number is even higher now. And so we have a lot of people who are applying for jobs and are trying to sort of figure out this next step. We also have a lot of people who are really starting to ask themselves these like deeper questions of, how do I want to be spending my time and what really matters to me? And, you know, what kind of work do I actually really want to do? And what we're finding or what I'm finding, what I'm hearing a lot of is a lot of people are applying to jobs and they're not hearing anything back or they're not really moving through the pipeline or they're getting interviews, but they're not, you know, getting the jobs. And my response to this, so if anybody is listening, if that sort of feels like you, you're going through the process and not getting a lot of traction, one of the biggest blocks that I see to people landing jobs that they really want or dream jobs is that actually you haven't answered some really important questions about what you really want. So it really starts with clarity. 
right? And uh, like that first step to building a career that you love or to landing that dream job or whatever it is, is really starting to ask yourself again and again and again and again, what do I want? Like, what do I really want? Not what my parents think I want or tell right. me that I should want. Not what society says I should want. Not what my partner thinks I should want. Not just what's going to make me the most money right now because I'm freaking out about money or whatever exactly. it is. It's, yeah. What do I truly in my like heart of hearts and the depths of my soul want to be doing? How do I want to be spending my days? What types of problems do I want to be solving? What types of projects do I want to be working on? What types of people do I want to be collaborating with? Right? All of these questions are going to slowly start to help you actually get clear on what you want. It's only then that you're going to start to actually see some traction in the process, right? So that's where I always start is, is really you, starting to just ask those questions. Sorry to interrupt here, but do you think there really is a lot of influence out there on other people's perceptions of like what our career should be? Do you think that is a problem? Hell yes. <laughs> um, but I think it's well-intended. It's a well-intended problem, right? It's, like, it's out there. Yeah. Oh, of course. Right? We grow up. We ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? We ask five-year-olds, what do you want to be when you grow up? When we do this, so like, let's back up a second. When we ask five-year-olds, what do you want to be when you grow up? What we are saying to that five-year-old is you will be defined by your job. Your identity is going to be your job. So from a very young age, we are conditioned to attach our worth, our identity to jobs. Never thought about it like that. Yeah. And over time, the way that presents itself and translates is, right, when you graduate college, when you go to college, what are you going to major in? When you graduate college, what's your first job going to be? So funny, because like, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's almost like it's that one thing that you are for life. Whereas the reality, especially in this day and age is that people have so many different jobs and even multiple careers. It's normal. So that's a good point. And are we really truly identical? Like, are we are we our jobs? Like, do we not exist outside of our job? Right? Like, of course not. Of course we exist outside of right. that, right? Yet, when we get laid off, when we get fired, when something happens, when we don't get approval on a project, when we don't get promoted or whatever it is, right. when we don't get that validation or we get the opposite, we get the rejection, we take that as there's something wrong with me. I'm broken. I'm not good enough, right? What the hell is that, right? Like, why is that true? How is that a reflection of the beauty and the love and the exactly. incredible human that exists inside of you, right? Like, And so I think that's why so many people get torn up when they get a non-response for a simple job application. It's this hit on their ego. Exactly. Which, of course, and we say this for like other people. I've felt that too, right? I'm sure you have too. You can only talk about this because we know from experience, right? And it's normal. We just hit a point in our lives and our careers, though, where we have to make that shift on our own. When we right. do with this conversation or this part of the conversation, we're starting from, do we think society has an impact or other people's influences has an impact on what we think we should do with our jobs? Well, of course, right? Because we're sort of conditioned and taught that you need approval from other people for your own worth. You need validation from other people, from jobs, from bosses, from whoever, for your own worth. And... It's only when we start to make that shift into, A, I exist outside of a job. I'm worthy and amazing outside of being employed. And so we really start to define what success means to us, not what it meant to our parents, not what it means to our partner, but truly what it means to us. And when we start to really see that we're not here to collect a paycheck and die. 
Humans are not here to clock to paycheck and die. I'm sorry. I don't know what, it doesn't matter what you believe, where you're, we are not born to collect a paycheck and die, right? <laughs> so can we start to really shift into understanding what that deeper purpose is, what gift we were given to give the world, what impact we were really here to make and start to step into that as the driver for our careers. I love that. I think it's so important. And like I've said, when I have those aha moments, somebody in this podcast needed to hear that. Let's continue on with this train of clarity here. Like, let's say that the voices, whether they be conscious or subconscious, like in my head or from other people have been telling me that this should be my job. This should be my job, you know, over and over again, or, you know, this is my identity, which is tied to my job. How do you rewire yourself? Like, what are some actual practical things I can do to rewire myself to get that true clarity? I love this question. Um, the first thing is just start to ask whose voice is that? Like, literally, we have this voice in our head that we think is truth, right? We all have this narrative voice in our head. Usually it's one voice. But over time, there's, and we'll talk about that sort of ways, over time, most people kind of come to a moment where they realize, like, that voice in my head's kind of a liar. So if the voice in my head's kind of a liar, or like the voice in my head's like kind of speaking crazy, right, to me, like that means there's got to be another voice. So there's another voice somewhere that's noticing that, that, that voice that's like, whatever, saying crazy shit. And so it's when we start to separate the voices in our head and we start to actually realize that that voice, that's actually my dad's voice. Or that voice, that's actually my mom's voice. That voice is actually my partner's voice. Right. Well, that's when we can start to actually decide like, okay, at least I have awareness of that. Now can I start to really decide like, what is mine? And what does mine sound like? And then how do I start to make decisions based on what mine sounds like? Not necessarily what my dad's or my mom's or my boyfriend's or whoever's sounds like. And again, it's natural for us to absorb their voices. That's actually how we grow and learn and develop as kids. Right. Sure. We have to, right? That's how we become human. But there's a, I sort of like to call it, there's like a switch that happens. There's like a light switch where we, for years and years and years, passively absorb others' voices, passively absorb others' values, passively absorb everything because we're sponges, right? We're learning, learning, learning. And then a switch kind of comes on and we start to, it needs to flip. And we actually become the active cider of what we're absorbing, what we are learning. And on top of that, we get to, kind of look backwards and decide what did I absorb that I want to keep and what did I absorb that I don't want to keep anymore and I want to let go of. So I'll pause there for a second because there's way more to this. But that's where I would start in terms of like, what do you do about the voices? That makes a lot of sense because it may take some uncovering or some digging there to realize that these voices are coming from, you know, other people who are very well intended, but may have rubbed off on me in some sort of way. So that makes a lot of sense. And I always tell people I had the fortunate or the it just happened to be my luck. But I was born into parents who never really gave me that kind of pressure to be a certain thing or to have a certain career. But I do know that there are lots of other no people like friends of mine who have had that type of influence to be of a certain profession there. So it's hard. And I would ask like how they could once they do uncover those pressures, I guess, in their past life, like how they can actually figure out what is the best for them. The thing is, is it doesn't always, it's not even that we're always just absorbing those messages just from our parents. Like we could absorb those messages from society, right? Right. Our definition of success. You have to have this income, this level, or even just the idea of saying like, you have to be like this happy in order, you know, <laughs> to put that pressure on. But you have to do anything. 
that we have to do anything, right? Like yeah. that is a societal construct, right? So yeah, it's just, you know, it's in, when you start to sort of dig into this stuff, you just start to realize like I was brainwashed for the first 20 years of my life. And so one of the most effective tools that I've used to help mm. me really start to dig into this for myself and for clients is really mindfulness, mindfulness meditation, mindfulness practice, but the root of mindfulness oh. really is putting space between yourself and your thoughts. You can sort of define that a few different ways. You can define that as your higher self and your ego, yourself and your thoughts. There's like lots of different ways to describe that. But what it really is doing is it's just creating space slowly, 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 so that you do have almost this third party perspective looking at patterns and trains that are going around in your mind so that you can decide what to do with them. I love that. I am a big journaler. I love journaling. I'm a big mindfulness. I meditate you know, all the time. And I have been able to realize so many things through that, through silence. And I even think that when I first decided that I think I wanted to quit my old job to move to my new one, it was through just a long car ride of just nothing but the car ride itself. And so I had a lot of those types of moments to give me that clarity there. So thank you for bringing a real good answer to the forefront, because I think that's something that a lot of people aren't doing. And I think it's something that's going to help a lot of people. You're welcome. But also the, the truth is, is like what that's really pointing to. And I love the example that you just gave is so often we're actually also taught that everyone else has the answers to our questions that we should mm -hmm. go external to find answers. Like I can't tell you, like if I had a question about what I wanted to do with my career, I would ask a million people. I would ask all my friends. Right. I would ask mentors. I would ask professional people. I would go in meetings with a million people. And that's not to say that I didn't learn things. But I wasn't asking myself. Like, I really thought like the answer was somewhere else and I just had to go find it. And what you just sort of painted this beautiful picture of is this quiet time with yourself in a car, not talking to a single other person, just with yourself. And that's truly where the deepest clarity comes from. And also that's where only answers could possibly live within ourselves. Absolutely. Awesome. So how about that for a non-cookie cutter answer that you can actually take away for truth, people? I think it's awesome. So one thing that we talked about, I think you said during our pre-chat here was once you do have that clarity, that's when the application process starts. That's correct? That's what you said? Yes. So obviously we're bringing this back to career stuff, right? So we're like, okay, we want jobs. Like, tell me how to get a job. Tell me how to get a dream job. Um, here, here you go. Um, the truth is, is that clarity, there's so much to that clarity. But at the very least, once you can start to really get clear on like, what does the dream look like? Like, what do I truly want? What you're doing is you're actually, it's almost like you're creating this reality already, right? And so let's just paint these two pictures. Let's say you are applying cold online or you're just applying period and you really don't know what you want, right? Like you just, you think you want to make money. Your background is in marketing. So you're looking at marketing jobs, whatever, but you actually don't actually know if, you, if that's what you want. So the energy you are putting into that the energy you're putting into the applications you're writing, the energy you're putting into the conversations you're having with people, the energy that you're putting into the applications and interviews themselves, that's energy of, I don't know what I want. That's energy of like trepidation. That's energy of need. I just need to make some money, right? That's an energy that's a kind of like a low vibe, right? Like you can tell if someone doesn't really want, as a hiring manager, right? Chris, you've hired people. I've hired tons of people. Like you can tell if somebody doesn't actually want the job. 
you can tell if they just right. don't really know what they want. Why is the hiring manager, why am I going to try to hire somebody that doesn't really know if they want this job? Even as somebody, if I'm networking with someone and they have no idea what they want, how do I know who I'm supposed to connect them to? You know, why would I even connect them to a hiring manager if I'm like, but they don't really know what they want, right? Yeah, no, that's a great point. Absolutely. Like you can tell these things. And even in like an earlier episode, I mentioned that a big mistake that I felt like people were making are they're applying too widely and not deep enough. Like that is they're just applying to every other single job out there, but not really choosing the ones that they would give their all for a cover letter, give their all to like have a great interview for. And that's exactly it, right? It's like if you're spreading your energy out after all of these things, like you're giving little pieces of you. You're not actually putting your heart and soul into the thing, right? And on top of it, it's like when we do that, when we're applying to all these different jobs, first of all, it's draining. It's just draining, right? It doesn't feel good. It's not fun. And think about how much again rejection then you're getting because it's like, okay, over and over and over again. I'm putting all this energy out. I'm not getting that much back. But on a deeper level, like you don't need 50 jobs. You need one job. And there's this belief that, well, if I market myself broad enough that I'll fit multiple jobs. But you're not looking for multiple. You're looking for one. It's kind of like, I kind of say it's like dating, right? You don't want 50 boyfriends. You want one boyfriend. So your one boyfriend has to know that you're the right person for him or whatever it is. That one hiring manager, that one job, they have to know that you're the unique, perfect fit for that specific job. So we get really afraid of being like, this is what I want. This is the box I'm going to put myself in. I'm getting really specific. I'm niching down. I'm going deep. We get afraid of that because we feel like, oh, that means I'm disqualifying myself from all these other potential opportunities. No, you're not. You're making it really clear to that one hiring manager that you're the perfect fit for them. I love it. Good message for the person who is like the jack of all trades there, which we get a lot of those clients for the resume who just want to show everything that they've done. Always get specific, always get targeted. Good point. There's this like belief that there's something like wrong with having lots of diverse experience and having different skill sets and being a jack of all trades, right? Like there's this, we all have a variety of skill sets, right? We all have all these different curiosities and interests that, that we you know, are drawn to. We all are bringing so many different levels of experience to any job that we're applying, right? We are all jacks of all trades mm-hmm. for the most part, not every single person, but for the most part, like especially now we are, but your hiring manager wants to know that your jack-of-all-trades experience is the perfect jack-of-all-trades for that specific role. So when we're talking about niching, we aren't necessarily saying that all of this experience doesn't matter. What we're saying is market it in a way that is actually really clear to that hiring manager that these specific experiences and skills are actually in perfect alignment with what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. So it's really about sort of continuing, and this is, I'm sure, where you guys do, but like really crafting that story that your jack-of-all-trades-ness is actually not so jack-of-all-trades. It's exactly what this specific role or hiring manager or company. So you'll be a better match, and you're going to be more likely to get that call back. I love it. I love it. And so we talked about applying deeper, which I think is great. We talked about clarity. How do you actually recommend, once I am clear on this is my skill set that belongs in this specific position? How do you recommend I tactically get out there and start to get interviews? 
build relationships with real humans. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, this is something that people love to skip this process, right? Like we want to yeah. just like fill out the application and then like, boop, you got the job, right? But the truth is, is like, I will never tell someone to cold apply. Like I just won't. Like I say, don't apply to a job if you don't have a connection to that company. Like there's mm. just so much value in having real relationships with people at companies. And especially in a world that is right now, like pretty rooted in social proof, right? We want to know from our friends what to buy. We want to know from our friends, like who to hire, right? Like referrals are really go such a long way. Um, and, and so truly once you do have clarity of what you want, it's really, okay, your next step is to start to build relationships with people who are at the company first and foremost. And second, build relationships with people who are on the team that you want to be on. Right, build relationships with maybe even people who are in similar roles that you want to be that you want to have. And by build relationships, I mean message them on LinkedIn, find them on Instagram. Like this is where you get scrappy, right? Like connect, find ways to virtual coffee, send them a Starbucks gift card for five bucks, and get on a call with them for twenty minutes. You're saying just don't be lazy. <laughs> That's like actually build real connections there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's there's a fear, right? Like it's always rooted in fear True. of like. What if that's an even bigger rejection is if you reach out to somebody and they say, no, they don't respond yep. or they say, I don't have time for this, right? Whatever it is. Yeah. That rejection is so much scarier than applying cold. It ties back to what we we're talking about at the beginning of just like, you are not your job. You are not just the outcomes of what you're putting yourself through. Like this is just part of the process. So. And letting yourself that. not take that rejection personally, right? Like it's not about you, right? Yeah. That's not about you. Someone says no, okay, I say no. Like talk to the next person, right? Yeah. Um, and just knowing that expect that fear. That fear is okay. You don't have to just all of a sudden like not have that fear. It's just see it and do it anyways. See yeah. the fear, write the email, have the anxiety and send it anyways, right? And just continue to sort of put yourself out there to build real connections with people, even though it's scary. And that's truly where I think you're going to see the most fruit from your labor. I love it. You've been great so far. So thank you for all these answers here. I'm just going to take that one step further before I ask for final words of advice here. But let's say I actually am reaching out to somebody or looking to make a connection or build a relationship. What are some things that I should bring forth within that conversation about myself so that I can probably get some good responses? In the conversation itself, this is probably contrary to what most people would say. I actually believe the power is flipped. We think that the power lies in the person who's trying to hire us. But we hold all of the power because we are actually being hired to give our gifts and talents to them. They want us. They, companies do not exist without humans. So humans ultimately have the power, right? And so the first thing is, is, that mindset reframe that actually I am the one that actually has the power. And this is not talking about like power struggles here. I see a lot of people going through the job hunting process, feeling powerless or feeling disempowered. So that's the first place that I always like to start. It's like, you're actually on a fact finding mission or an information finding mission, or even a feeling finding mission. What you're doing to connect with these people, you're actually not just trying to sell yourself. You're trying to actually understand, is this a company I want to work for? Are these people I'd want to work with? Is this work that I'd want to do? Are they solving interesting problems? Like you are entering into these conversations with actual curiosity about what's happening behind closed doors. So when you approach it from that sense, 
first of all, people love. It's a different vibe. And people love talking about themselves. So they're already going to like you because you just ask them a bunch of questions. But from there, you know, you aren't necessarily saying, okay, and I want a job and what jobs are available. No. The question that I always tell people to ask at the end of one of those conversations is, for obviously first, thank you so much for your time, blah, blah, blah. Is there anybody else that you think I should talk to? And leave every single conversation with another connection. Because those are the connections that are going to naturally open up the right doors for you. It's so funny you say that. Like I'm thinking about a specific person that took that same approach with me. And the same exact question she asked. And she actually ended up working with us for a little bit of time there because she had that same like curious like approach. And it's awesome. I think you're empowering people to have attitudes and to have approaches that are going to be just a lot better for them in the long term. And it's going to help them to build a career that they love. Emily Eliza Moyer, thanks so much for coming on the show. What final words of advice do you have for career warriors? So my final words of wisdom are first and foremost... Tune inward. You have all the answers that you need. My second words of wisdom are build it how you want it. You get to decide how you want it. Build it how you want it. And I'll leave you with that. I love it. Thanks so much for being on the show. How can people find out more about you? First and foremost, my website, emilyalizamoyer.com. I've got lots of tools and resources that can support you. Yeah, the pictures, the branding, all that's super cool. Oh, thank you so much. And then on Instagram, Emily Lisa Moyer is my handle. Awesome. For you warriors, I'll make sure to link that as well. Um, just make sure you're not jogging or driving, but I like to give those links there so you can check that out afterwards. So Emily, thanks so much for coming on the show. You were fantastic. Thank you so much, Chris, for having me. And nice to meet you all, career warriors. Perfect. So that concludes our 181st episode of the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. I really enjoyed this one because we dove deep and we got really personal here. I think a lot of the times it really is about getting clarity first before applying for jobs. And how many times I can't, I can't even tell you for people that come to our service who don't know clearly the types of positions that they feel like they'd be a good fit. I'm telling you not because I'm trying to turn away business here, but Figure out first where you feel like you belong and then get your resume written, get your cover letters written and all that stuff. It's just going to help you be so much more efficient as a job seeker. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll also make sure to link a couple of other helpful episodes. And that's it for now. I'll see you next time.